Blog Talk Radio. Once again, once again, you're tuned in live to your 15 Minutes Radio Network with Beyond Words with Janessa White and Darrell Douglas. We are so excited to be here today. We are going to talk about something that may be uncomfortable to some, but it's a conversation that we feel needs to be had uh, so we, before we even begin, we want you guys to buckle up, but we also want you to sit back and relax and call in if you have any, you know, comments on our subject matter today. Again, Black Lives Matter in-depth uh, conversation. The call-in number is 917-889-2858. Again, our call-in number if you want to be on the air, is 917-889-2858. So make sure you guys call in and let us know your thoughts on Black Lives Matter and this in-depth conversation. We will be right back after these messages. Interested in advertising? Advertise today on the number one online radio network for entrepreneurs. Your 15 Minutes Radio Network. Contact us at advertise at your15minutesradio.com. We are back with Beyond Words with Chanessa White and Darrell Douglas. How are you, Darrell? I'm good. Good? I'm good. We, We don't have to skip you this week. No, I'm <laughs> no, not this week. I'm, I'm okay, good. okay, not this week. Okay, I'm just, okay, not this week. Okay, I'm just making sure, you know, <laughs> just making sure. Um, we're gonna start without Shanessa. She will be on momentarily. But what we're talking about today, and I hope you're ready because I've already warned our listening audience to you know buckle up. Um, because this is a conversation <laughs> that I believe needs to be had. And um, mm-hmm. I've seen it all over social media, people talking about Black Lives uh, Matter, as well as just having conversations, actual conversations with people um, discussing that topic. And we want to go in-depth because right now, uh, most often when we see Black Lives Matter, we see it as a hashtag and it's um, mm-hmm. usually as a result of a particular, you know, uh, an African-American male in particular um, being mm-hmm. um, killed by the police. But, of course, people step back and say, so is that all Black Lives Matter? Um, is that all that it means? Or does it mean something more than just when it involves police brutality, which is horrible in itself? So we certainly don't want to minimize portion, but when you step back and you look at, you know, Black Lives Matter, what does that mean to you when you read that, that sentiment? What does it mean? Uh, I think it is uh, sort of an affirmation. Like I do, I like to do daily affirmations where I, you know, sort of start my day off by, you know, it's almost like a meditation, saying something over and over and over, and I have like a list of them that I kind of rotate through. And I think mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter, it's kind of a question. It's a declarative. It's an exclamatory. It's it's all the above. And when I hear it, it's sort of with a with – a, sometimes maybe last week I did Black Lives Matter, and I put a little asterisk over it. And some people got it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people didn't. But I think to different people, it means different things. And, you know, this was actually the topic of discussion, I want to say a couple of weeks ago, 
because one of my friends mm-hmm. is the co-founder or founder of Black Lives Matter Houston, and I walked into this meeting late, like maybe five or six minutes late, and they were already having the discussion, and they were asking him, like, are you, is your chapter part of the national? And he said, no. He said, well, how many of the chapters are? Only four of the chapters nationally are actually mm-hmm. under the umbrella of the Black Lives Matter organization co-founded by Alicia Opal, and I forget uh, the third young lady's name, but most of these organizations are just sort of spinoffs. In fact, in Houston, there's Black Lives Matter Houston, and then there's BLM HTX, which are two totally different organizations, and neither of them fall under the umbrella of the national organization. Wow. So how was that explained? Do they have different uh, views on what Black Lives Matter means, or is it a matter of paperwork? How is that explained? Because I have gone to their website, and I saw only a few global, I think they may call them global chapters or what have you. So how is that explained? It's, it's, It's more so a matter of... I guess the bureaucracy of it. So when you think about, I'll give you an example. I was on a call yesterday with the Houston area urban league young professionals, and we were trying mm-hmm. to get them to sign on to some stuff that we have going on. Well, the way it works with them, their chapters don't have autonomy. So they're in, similar with NAACP. The NAACP mm-hmm. has a national policy team, and so all of their chapters sort of have to fall within that, within that Correct. national guidance. Mm-hmm. And so similarly, yeah, it, it's I think there were originally more chapters, and as things move forward, people said, okay, well, if we're on the ground doing the work, we're not going to bow to national. And that's something that, that happens a lot. I mean, not just in the Black Lives Matter movement, but even looking – um, if anyone knows anything about labor history, like SEIU used to be part of the AFL-CIO when we talk about labor unions. Mm-hmm. And so very often there's this idea, you know, in Texas, we, we talk a lot about, you know, local representation versus, you know, statewide rules, um, you know, or, or national rules that, that Trump, I hate using that word in that way, but that <laughs> step over <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that step over, you know, what's happening with 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 the state, and so that's something that happens happens really, really often, where organizations decide to divest and say, "Hey, mm-hmm. you know, we have the benefits of okay, maybe we're getting some national funds, and we get to use this national name, but." Let's look at what it would look like. Is our independence worth more than that at the end of the day? And so the rest of the chapter so, decided. Go ahead. Keep going. Uh-huh, go ahead. Yeah, so so a lot of organizations just decided, like, we're not, we're, we no longer want to be part of that structure. You know, even, um, say, for instance, the organization that I co-founded, was the result of trying to convince the NAACP to do X, Y, and Z, reaching out to the Mm -hmm. Urban League to do X, Y, and Z, and then saying, why don't we just do something else? Like, we don't have to. Sure, it would be a benefit to have their email list and the gravitas of their name, but no. And so that's what a lot of the, the groups did. And a lot of groups, I don't think, a lot of people, when they talk about Black Lives Matter, I don't think they, I don't think people understand there's a difference between, like, the actual organization and the name. And, and, and then I don't mm-hmm. think people actually understand a lot of what the actual organization's goals are. Like, they, they may not fall in line with, you know, what they, what they actually think. Full disclosure, though, I in 2018, uh, there was this thing called the the Black Census. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, 
I have mm-hmm. not. Okay. But long story oh, yeah. short, they – go ahead. No, I'm familiar. Go ahead. Okay. So Black Futures Lab, which became sort of the policy arm of some of the work that they were doing, founded by Alicia Garza, who's one of the three founders, uh, sort of set this thing up. And, you know, I got to fly to Atlanta and, and sit through it. I think we were there for like a week, you know, different trainings and stuff. And uh, our organization here in Houston we're one of the orgs, you know, chosen to go into communities, barbershops, beauty shops, uh, and get people to complete the black census, which was going to specifically look at, it had never been done before, it was going to ask black people questions about their communities, about politics, this and that, in order to sort of craft this, like, direction moving forward. And, I mean, it was, it was well put together. You know, the look, all the checks cash, we were able to pay staff and, <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, like it like it was it was it was legit and I got to hang with Alicia, you know, for a while and, and she's been legit and um yeah. Well Janessa, what we've started talking about is what does Black Lives Matter mean? Um, and we've gone into the discussion as far as the Houston chapter, for example, is not a part of the global national chapter. And so mm-hmm. my my question in, in even bringing this topic, we continue to hear Black Lives Matter. So in what dynamic does Black Lives Matter? Is this just a social social justice issue? Is this just a police brutality issue? Or what does it mean when you say Black Lives Matter? So I, I guess I would have to ask, because um, I don't understand how Houston can have a chapter that's not affiliated with the global organization. How does that work? Yeah, so, I mean, pretty much originally they <laughs> I'm were. I'm just and curious. Yeah, literally. I mean, because it, I mean, it's, ha- it's happened in a, a lot of, like, L.A. is not part of the national. Mm-hmm. They just decided we're going to break away and do our own thing. And it happens in the labor union and in, in the labor world a lot. Like, you'll have, you know, one labor union that represents this group. And then at the end mm-hmm. of their contract, maybe that union doesn't do all that they said they would or you know, maybe there's some some rift that happens, and then they say, you know what? We don't want to be part of that union. We want to form a whole new uh, uh, thing working with this union over here. We think they can serve us better, and so that's literally and I how think that that's, came that's, about. I think that's fair, but in all in all honesty, I'm I'm, I'm hard pressed to understand why the national organization has not shut their operations down under their name in affiliation because. That does that is a problem. I don't understand how any group can can do that. Um, but I will say to say this: I think you do have an organization, Black Lives Matter, who's lost a significant amount of leadership in the last three years um, in very suspicious circumstances. Um, I don't know if you guys were aware of that, but at least seven of the people who are very prominent in the Black Lives Matter movement have been found dead um, in various accidents or various um, situations with no closure. Um, So I think they find themselves right now at a crossroads because all eyes are on them and looking to them for leadership and I'm not certain that they have leadership in the ranks to the movement to the next level. And that's probably why you have these individualized chapters and what they're doing um, and what other people are doing under the guise of Black Lives Matter. Two years ago, they actually did get, get recognized as a nonprofit organization um, in fact, J. Walter Thompson, Detroit, and two other agencies were doing creative work around their their um, 
their total brand around what they stood for. And I don't know where that stands today, but I do recall that was happening like two years ago where they were going down this path to be this larger entity. Now, what concerns me is that I I have seen uh, information um, debunking the myth as far as the act, or I can't think of the name of the organization now, that is the middleman for the funds for the organization. And they indicated, say that again, I'm sorry. Was it Soros or Tide? No, it's another organization. When you click on Donate, they have another organization, and I can't think of the name of it right now, that is the middleman for the funds that will so give the funds Act, they, to they Black Lives Matter. They take funds through Act Blue. Act Blue. They take yes. funds through Act, Act Blue. It's just a platform. Um, it's not right. a – yeah. It's just a yes, platform but, to, take, to, to take and track money that you receive in case you get audited, that's the best way for them to do this. Mm -hmm. But I think when you have um, different portions of the organization working in different states, and if someone's Mm -hmm. giving their money, they're probably under the impression that maybe it'll trickle down to their city or their state because they're not thinking (laughs) that you can still use somebody else's name Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and I will use our right. sorority as an example. Mm-hmm. If you utilize our name, we're not just going to let you <laughs> raise funds or whatever you you are trying to do mm-hmm. in our name. You can start mm-hmm. your own sorority or whatever you choose to do, but when you use those three letters and that royal blue and that pure white, we're going to have a problem. Mm-hmm. So... I'm not quite understanding how that is allowed to go, but, hey, you know, I I, I want to know, can you support the movement and the sentiment without supporting the general organization? Do you think that's possible, Janessa? I, I, I think it's possible, but you should not be raising funds or taking dollars in their name. I mean, let's be candid and frank here. There is not one Black Lives Matter chapter in the southern part of the United States. So from Texas to South Carolina, there's not one. So, um, And you mean an official chapter? I, an official cha- chapter, that is correct. There, Even the one um, that's, I think there is one, I take that back, there's one in Nashville that is a national affiliate. Um, but I would say in the state of Texas in which we live, um, uh, Alabama and in Florida and Georgia, no. So to, to that end, I will say this. I think there is a way that you can support the movement. Um, I think there is money that you, there's ways that you can raise funds for your movement. But I would be very cautious to find out and understand why someone is not a part of the national entity. Um, I, I just I find that very hard um, to understand unless there was something. Yeah, I, I, I just can't even find out. I can't even, it, it boggles the mind was, why we would not want to, to be a part of this larger group. Well, because, I mean, there, there, there's Black Lives Matter, the actual organization, and there's Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter, like, the sentiment, right? And they're separate. Okay. They're, 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 like, of course, there's an actual org, but then you can say Black Lives Matter without talking about the actual 501c3 organization. And then when you look, like, even in Memphis, when you look on their page, it says official, official Black Lives Matter Memphis chapter. So that tells me there's mm-hmm. another one there, too. And so, I mean, in a lot of in a lot of places, the the inside baseball kind of that that ends up happening with organizations and what the bylaws are going to be and what the rules are. Because imagine being in Dallas or in Houston and wanting to push city council to do X, Y, or Z, and you're on the ground and you're not really getting resources from national, right? And then, you know, the majority of the rank and file, 
Go ahead. But why are you not? Why are you not getting resources? And see, that's that's a lot of what ends up happening. So when you have national and then you have state, you know, or or individual chapters, and there's no agreement that says, oh, you know, we're cutting the cake this way nationally. If it's just in most cases, even when it comes to labor unions. Uh, or even like in the NAACP, when you pay your $35 to join, ask your chapter. They'll mm-hmm. tell you a portion of that stays. The rest of it goes mm-hmm. to national. And when you exactly. look at the checking but, account. Mm-hmm. But you're under an umbrella. My, my, I guess my, my concern, again, is you're, you're utilizing someone else's brand in their name. I can't open up a McDonald's <laughs> yes. and put the – the apostrophe somewhere else. I can't remember what movie that was on, uh, Coming to America or something. I I can't just... Uh McDowell. Right. (laughs) I can't just switch it around and have the golden arches and say, well, they won't uh, help my franchise, so I'm going to form my own. And and again, I think what's interesting and I think needs to be cleared up from their uh, national chapter is that these are our chapters. Every other Black Lives Matter chapter is their own. They have their own affiliation or something because, again, you have people Mm -hmm. donating tens of millions of dollars thinking if they're not doing their research, which a lot of people don't, are thinking, okay, this is Black Lives Matter. This money is going to go down the pipe at some point. And it's, it's, not, it's not. I can even. I so, can even tell you. But you're. If, but I don't want to give the impression. Let me be clear, though. I don't want to give the impression because I feel like we're giving the impression that the local chapters are not getting the funds or the resources that they need. And I have not seen that to be the case. Where is that evidence coming from? And and that's. But that's not what. What I'm saying either. I'm saying it just. It, it, a little gray to me that you would name mm-hmm. your organization something and you're not a part of the national okay. chapter and there's nothing on your website that and I think kind that of that lets chapter people know. Specifically, if I was in Houston, I would call that chapter out because it's not like they're asking you to pay an affiliation fee. You actually fill out a very simple form to become sure. um, a chapter leader okay. in, in a city you go through an interview, and they do a the simple background check to make sure you're not a criminal, which makes sense, and you create a chapter. Here's the difference, though. Here's the difference, though. When you talk about an organization that already exists, right, so like mm-hmm. today, yes, there's a process, but what you have to remember is a lot of these chapters existed before Black Lives Matter was an organization, before they were anything, right? Right. So there was no 501c3. How, there how was so? No, so when, how, how so? I mean, you're telling me that they may not have been legally organized. They were not right. They were not legally. They were not legally. You got to remember, it started as a hashtag. It's similar to mm-hmm. what's the hashtag around? Um, well, against, I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, say it necessarily started as a hashtag, but okay. I think that is no, no, literally the, the idea. The, the 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 idea. What's the one um, that has to do with sexual harassment? What is it? The Me Too. Me Too. Okay. Uh-huh. So you have hashtag Me Too, which started as a hashtag, right? And mm-hmm. then became but it did not. an actual that's where organization. You're, that's where you're. That's where you're not informed though, because it didn't start as a hashtag. It was started by a black woman, Tyrant. Yeah. Um, I'm going to mess that's her right. name up. Tyena. Um, I can't remember her last name, but it started long before Bill Cosby and Kevin Spacey and everybody else got caught up in it. So it, it was a physical organization that now goes under Times. I think the physical organization has an offshoot of Times Up for Hollywood that they do. But it was an organization mm-hmm. long before there was a hashtag. So I'm looking on okay. Wikipedia. And it says the phrase Me Too was initially used in this context on social media in 2006 on MySpace by sexual harassment survivor and activist Tarana Burke. In 2006. Mm-hmm. And when did Me in Too become popular? 
Yes. That was in 2006. Right. But in 20, okay. I so want to say 2012, 2013 is when it popped off. Following the exposure of widespread sexual abuse allegations against Harvey Weinstein in early October 2017, the movement began to spread virally as a hashtag on social media. Okay, so here's here's where we're about to switch lanes. Okay? Yes. Either way, if Black Lives Matter, the global chapter or whatever, wants people to be confused about this situation, they can continue on to do the way they are doing it. Right now, we're, you know, putting out the truth of the matter, which I think is great. And this is nothing against those who have formed chapters, because you can go back and recover those chapters and say, okay, well, let me do a simple Google search. Oh, there's a Black Lives Matter in Houston. Let us connect Mm -hmm. with them and make them a part of the umbrella, which is fine. Everybody knows who the founders are and all of that. But... Where we're going with this in-depth conversation is people continue to say black lives matter. Is this just a time that we say this when something happens with the police? Because, of course, people have said uh, in conversation, well, what about abortion? Well, what about, you know, um, the, the family home and that dynamic of the family of the black family? Does that matter? Or is it mm-hmm. when we say Black Lives Matter, we're only talking about when there's police brutality? Um, I would say following the tenets and the guidance of Black what matters in 2020 for BLM, it has always been beyond police brutality. It involves everything from systemic racism to crime within our communities to fatherhood. So I don't – I. I don't see it as um, – I see it more as an action-oriented agenda where they're trying to give solutions like how can you change the trajectory of your life and what can you do differently as well. So I don't see it just as police brutality. But do they have any national programs that says let's talk about family? Now, I've read so they do. They've got – They've got the What What Matters 2020, and they just did a whole series on black fathers and black fathers in, in black families this month. Um, they are doing a whole voter initiative as well. They've got a human rights initiative that they're doing in general. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And they've got a COVID-19 um, <clears throat> Excuse me, I can't talk today. They have a COVID-19 effort that they're doing as well. I think what's overpowering everything right now is police brutality. Yeah, I would agree. <clears throat> I think because it becomes yes. the most blatant exa- – go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Darrell. No, I was going to say, I think because it's the most blatant example, it's the thing that you can't turn away from um, that mm-hmm. sort of takes the air out of out of the rest of uh, the discussions, which are necessary, I think, discussions. You know, I, I was even looking at this morning, so I wake up, and <laughs> I was just having, as a matter of fact, that's one of the reasons why I was late to this call, because I was having a discussion with one of my friends who's white, uh, who runs Indivisible Houston, and we were he was he was going to my phone earlier, and I knew why because this morning when I woke up, his group was outside protesting one of the city council members, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Abby Cameron, who happens to be chair of the public safety committee, and I mean they're out there with megaphones. No, wake up, Abby! Clap, 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 clap! Wake up, at right? And the problem was, wait a minute, here's this white organization who's out protesting Abby Kamen, we just met with her last week. We're moving a different direction. So I said all of that to say it's more appealing, and the protest gets, I mean, that's, it's salacious. It's something to see. It's something to be part of. People don't want to sit and meet with the council members and talk about policy, right? So through mm-hmm. the same lens, I think a lot of these other discussions get passed over for the more controversial fun stuff. 
Mm. So, so so when are we going to have when when are we going to have those discussions? When are we going to? And again, I I'm not minimizing um, police brutality at all, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. when are we going to have those conversations about? Uh, black families and how, you know, primarily 60 to 70%, maybe a little bit higher, are uh, headed by African-American women. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. To me, that that's alarming. Um, when are we going to have those conversations about uh, black-on-black crime? And some, some mm-hmm. people want to have the conversations about abortion as well as other issues within the community. So when are we going to have those conversations? Because right now, it seems like the the social justice and the police brutality is dying down right now. People aren't talking about Breonna Taylor as much, you know, or any Ahmaud Arbery or anyone else at this point. So let's be let's be candid about it. Um, People aren't talking anymore because just as traumatic as it is for us to live it. It's traumatic to think about it and talk about it constantly, and we've mm-hmm. done that, I think, for the last 29 days. Um, yes. I can see how that can be exhausting. Um, and as people are laid to rest, it's a normal part of grieving, right? Those things become less and less traumatizing. But if we, if we want to talk about the ills of the black community, I think that we need to talk about it from a perspective of how can we actually make change versus how can we not Mm -hmm. just point out these are the problems without understanding the underlying situations that are there. I mean, there has been a long-time fallacy that black women are having more abortions than any other segment, and that's just absolutely not true. It's just not. The reason why, if you look at Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, if you look at all of those very stringent, um, limiting female reproductive rights choices, bills mm-hmm. that were all passed less than a year ago, you know what? You know what prompted that? If you didn't know, for the first time in 20 years, black and brown babies, more of them were born in the U.S than the general population. If you look at Georgia, which is not, the Georgia birth rate for African-Americans and white women, African-American and white women, 13 plus was was actually black was 0.15% higher. So this isn't about... I will. I can send you the data. I I went through it because there was actually a. You saw a series of articles that came from the CDC and from the census that said, for the first time, our birth rate is the lowest it's ever been, the the country as a whole, in that you had more black and brown babies born, and then within three weeks, all of these limiting abortions, all of these limiting who can have one, where you can, when you can have one. And you saw all those laws came into effect because guess what? Guess where the most black and brown people are concentrated? Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi. So, yeah, it's not lost on me. That's what was happening, but we can talk about it. Um, I don't think anyone is trying to use it as a method of birth control. I could be wrong, but let's talk about it. Because, again, when I see where the Planned Parenthoods are, they ain't all in the hood. They are not. <laughs> they are not. And, 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 again, I think it's a matter of us looking at all of the dynamics of the issue. Yeah. in terms of black lives. When we say black lives matter, they matter beyond, you know, when the police use brutality to kill us. Exactly. They matter when within our families. They matter within the health care system, which we all yeah. know is a joke um, at this point. So 
those are the conversations that I know people have been talking about saying, okay, well, you guys keep saying Black Lives Matter, and the only time the hashtag really trends is if there's police brutality. But does it trend when we're talking about black fathers? Does it trend when we're talking about family? When, when do we have those conversations that we're focused on those issues? And should we have those conversations, oh. Darrell? I would argue that those conversations are happening. They probably don't get the same amount of attention, right? Because Mm -hmm. if I'm offering free salads over here and free burgers over there, yeah, people are going to go over there. It's a very similar situation that happens every year. Uh, I I, I always vote at the Sunnyside Multiple Service Center, which happens to be across Mm -hmm. the street from a Popeye's. And what day does Election Day fall on? Tuesday. And what happens at Popeye's on Tuesday? They have a special, right? And every year people complain and they say, there's a line at Popeye's and there's not at the election. Well, let's let's really break that down. I think if you look at it at the sources and say, oh, people like chicken more than they want to vote, I don't think that's really what that story tells. I think it says that Mm -hmm. on this side, I give a dollar and eight cents and I get two pieces of chicken where I can eat. Whereas over here, there's this convoluted system that goes on where I don't know mm-hmm. what all I have to bring, and, and, and I, I'm zooming through and circling the little computer screen. I may not know all the races, right, that are going on. And I think we really mm-hmm. do have to look at it from that vantage point. So when we say there's more of a discussion over there than over there, I think that's, that's clear. But I think if we're going to really, if we really want to talk about it, I mean, chess, not checkers, right? Have a real meal, not just Similac. We would also have to look at what caused those things, right? If we want to talk about the crime bill in the 50s, redlining. If we want to talk about the fact that Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, and Steve Jobs, these great inventors, had a safety net where their their family Mm -hmm. for centuries passed down property that increased in value and allowed that, that, you know, stepping out on faith mm-hmm. and, and taking those chances. You could take a lot of chances when, you, when you're living in a house without having to pay a mortgage that your grandpa passed down to your parents. Yeah, you can, you, can, mm-hmm. you can take a year off from college to see the world and do these things. So at the end of the day, we've been playing Monopoly. Only some of us, you know, for 400 years never got to buy property never got to put hotels and whatever on it. So you mean to tell me you look at the game the way it is now and say, well, why they keep being in jail? Well, why? No, no. Let's really look at the economic and historical impact, the terrorism that caused this situation. You can't make a family live next to a, a, a chemical plant and then wonder where the cancer came from. All right. I agree. I agree totally with what you're saying. And I I think what you just said is the conversations that we need to have. We know that mm-hmm. there is a reason. We know that, you know, when we look at the healthcare system, um I I had a interesting thing happen today where I was talking to um a hospital clinic whatever they call themselves and I said, okay, well, I want to bring someone in and have them get a physical, and I want to pay for it. And so they said, okay, well, what insurance do they have? And I said to them, well, they have Medicaid, Medicare, but it doesn't matter because I'm going to pay for it. Oh, no, that's illegal. Because we don't take Medicaid or Medicare. I said, you don't have to take it because... We're not going to use it. I'm going to pay for it. Well, that's going to cost you, ma'am, don't. I already know how much it costs. We're not having that discussion. Mm -hmm. And they said, that's illegal. Now, this is, my sister pointed out, so this is like the school zoning where if you live in a certain neighborhood, you have to go to a certain school. So if you have Medicaid or Medicare and our facility does not take Medicaid or Medicare, 
and somebody says, well, I'll just pay cash for them, that doesn't matter. They still cannot go and be serviced at that facility, which is clearly better than where they have to go. So when you say, well, what causes this, I understand exactly what you're saying, but these conversations that we're having is the conversations that we need to continue to have so that we can resolve these issues because that was eye-opening to me because I was thinking money is money, and if we're not going to use this person's insurance, it should not matter. But apparently it does. Well, it, it does with government payers, though. It's not, it's not necessarily the facility. It's the way that government paid um, insurance works. I'm not saying it's right. In fact, I find it egregiously stupid, um, and I think it's wrong, especially um, how much time it takes you to qualify and credential for that type of insurance. But, yeah, it's the government payers that's the problem in that situation. And it's wrong because it adversely impacts us. And that is the point. Exactly. (laughs) Because now this person has to go to this horrible place that does not provide great service. They they can't go to that place. I I don't understand what sense that makes and how – but when we don't have these conversations, we don't look at the voting and what we're voting for and what our Congress people are voting for and asking them about mm-hmm. this health care bill. Yeah, I see what you're saying, Medicare for all, Medicaid for all, and all of that. But who's accepting the Medicare and Medicaid and who's most, like you said, adversely affected by this? Mm-hmm. So, so when you when think we about, talk about go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you're going to say. No, go ahead. So when we think about healthcare in this country, we are, um, you know, we are living on a, on a on a thread in a prayer half the time when it just comes to primary care. Mm-hmm. Um, today, 29% of all primary care physicians are on H1B visas from other countries, and the majority of them do not want to serve in rural communities or communities where they can't make an excessive amount of dollars. So what that leaves us with today is we have more than 12,000 primary care physician vacancies across the U.S. And the government decided yesterday, um, because we are in the middle of COVID unemployment, that they are going to halt H-1B visas for doctors. And for everybody, mm. foreign, for mm. everybody. I literally wow. yesterday spoke with a friend who is a recruiter who just said, hey, I now have to go tell the board I can't get them the 31 doctors that I promised who are coming to us from Canada and the U.K. Um, that we actually need in the Texas panhandle, which is severely wow. understaffed right now because – the president decided yesterday he was going to halt this legal immigration and Ted Cruz decided he's going to applaud this effort when the very people that he serves do not have the doctors available to them. So, the so here's, an, uh, here, here's another thing that goes along with that, which is interesting that um, anybody in Texas, at all will support this. It's interesting. Um, I worked in immigration for an oil company, and we would bring H-1B visa um, people in. Mm -hmm. But what people don't realize, and I know you know this, but we're going to let this listening audience know, is we have to search for an American first, okay? Before. A citizen of the United (laughs) States of America before yes. we can hire an H-1B visa person, okay? We have to that post it. And we have to post it within the organization, and there is a physical put your hands on a piece of paper post, and then there's mm-hmm. also another post that has to go out to the community in, in general, you know. 
So mm-hmm. when we try to spin this as a, well, you know, you're taking jobs from Americans, guess what? We're, that, that's not what that is about at all. We can spin it that way, mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't even work that way. So here in Texas, like I said, oil capital, Houston, Texas, you have a lot of H-1B visas. You have a lot of L-1 visas and mm-hmm. all of the other ones that have been caught up in this net. Texas is going to be affected whether people believe it right now or not. Mm-hmm. And the job still may not go to a person here in the United States. They may just eliminate the job. And that was the – so, again, if you don't understand how the economy or how the world works, then that job just gets eliminated, and that service goes on for fill, and that is the vicious cycle that we're in. And the mere fact that anyone thinks that whoever was selling clothes yesterday at Children's Place can just step into this role over here and be a physician <laughs> drives me absolutely crazy because guess what? If you're unemployed because your industry or your jo- your job or your store or your business went away, you are not going to be – you can't become a doctor in three months. So why exactly this is so important made no sense, not just to the healthcare world. It makes no sense to the tech world. But, again, guess who's going to get the short end of the stick? It's going to be people of color, people who live mm-hmm. in rural areas, but mostly people of color. Yes, yes, because it's difficult for um, minorities, people of color, to get great, you know, health care in the first place. Health care. So, it, yet, health care alone, and then you want to ask for great, you know, <laughs> you, you want to ask for people to do their job. So, these are the reason, again, that I wanted to talk about Black Lives Matter in depth is I did want to touch on the fact that I know a lot of people are looking at Black Lives Matter because of so many endowments and, you know, uh, donations to the organization and the amounts are astounding at this point. So people are looking, you know, saying, okay, so I'll give this amount of money. Where's the money going? At some point, somebody's going to do an in-depth analysis of where the money is going. And I wanted to talk about that so people could be aware that you may be able to donate to the local chapter without donating to, you know, the national chapter. You have options, but understand that they are not always connected. So just just understand that because we don't want anybody to feel cheated if they go, you know, and donate to the larger chapter thinking they're helping, you know, a local chapter. But I also wanted to talk about it because I have heard the conversations of people saying, well, if Black Lives Matter, well, what about this and what about that? And we do have to pause and step back and say, okay, well, we, we, we know what the issues are, but we know that it's just more than a, okay, this is the issue. No, there, there's some depth to that issue and why that, that thing is an issue. So I certainly wanted to talk about that today um, and get your opinion. Darrell has left the conversation, so we'll see him next week. But talk to us on how to go beyond words. What can we do now that we know about the differences as far as the Black Lives Matter? Because this is new to me as of uh, probably last week when I was looking into it, thinking, okay, well, what about all of these other chapters? Why aren't they on there? And also tell me how can we go beyond words to open up uh, the door to the conversations regarding fatherhood and men in the household and families and health care and education, which is a whole other thing that I have some issues with. How can we open up that door to have a conversation and work towards goals without, um, you know, being combative or angry or what have you? Chanessa? Can you hear me now? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. I would say I think that the most, like, obviously the most emergent part of our of our crisis right now um, is really police brutality and racial injustice, um, and I think that that's being addressed. This, I think that there are other, we, we can't, we cannot, um, 
take on too much too soon. So we really need to think about what what is going to be the most impactful for us between now, let's say, and even the end of the year. What are our goals? Mm. Because to try okay. to address everything from app, you know, parent absenteeism, um, domestic violence, drug use, and all these other things, all at the same time, it's going to be too much. It, we can't do it all. Okay. So we have to, to actually focus where our energy should go. And in my opinion, um, with these organizations, and I think I see that with many of them, they are being intentional of, one, obviously addressing the police brutality and racial injustice, two, looking for opportunities to empower um, to empower us economically because we our our unemployment yes. rate has is the worst um, during this crisis since 2010. That you know we literally been set back 10 wow. years. We keep talking about that as a part of this current um, administration, but literally the highest unemployment was um, of March of 2010 at 16.8%. That's where we are today. Wow. And we can't. Wow provide for our families, we can't move forward until we have mm-hmm. employment. And that means yes. that the, the, the biggest thing that BLM can do right now on the employment front is to address the equal employment opportunity laws that I do not believe that all companies are adhering to. And they need to open some doors. And and I'm going to tell you this really quick story because I was really annoyed that this was happening, and I felt like it it should not have been happening. Lowe's, um, Lowe's Home Improvement Store and Home Depot Home Improvement Store, there was all these memes that were going around because the CEO of Lowe's is black, and he actually established a $25 million COVID-19 um, grant or grant um, or fund, I should say, that was going to be available to minority businesses, which also included mm-hmm. women. Um, I think that was a great thing for them to do. I thought it was a great thing for them to do. Um, but then that was juxtaposed to Home Depot, where a former, the former founder, co-founder of Home Depot, is an a avid supporter of President Trump has donated the maximum amount that he could possibly donate to the campaign and this was being pitted against each other saying Home Depot is promoting the administration that does not like us and Lowe's is over here trying to help our businesses survive. Now in between the two of those let me break it down for you. This founder has not been affiliated. The truth is This founder has not been affiliated with Home Depot for more than 20 years. He can do whatever he wants to do with his money. He's not a part of that company. The other co-founder, by the way, also donates even more money than this other guy does, mostly to Democratic candidates. But no one says anything about that, okay? The second Mm. thing I want to tell you is that 28% of the people who work at Home Depot are black, in their managerial ranks, 44% mm. in the managerial and executive ranks. And they, they actually publish their numbers. You can actually go to their website and you can see that black people work there. Of the 400,000 of them, I'm sorry, it's, eight, it's 20%. 400,000 of them, 80,000 are black. Lowe's mm. won't even tell us how many black people they actually employ besides the CEO, whom I like, by the way, and I think he's doing great work there. But the reality is they have more than 1,300 racial discrimination lawsuits pending against them, and most of them are from black people. Every black person wow. I've ever known there to work in executive ranks have left, not only left it for sabbaticals, they've left with multiple lawsuits in tow. So Lowe's has a lot of work to do, and we should never get so bent on I'm going to do one or the other without understanding the truth behind both of them. That's Mm. all I'm suggesting. So while we're over here saying we're going to boycott Home Depot, let's not do that because we don't want more of us out here trying to find a job. How about we not do that? That's right. 
That's right. So we talk about but, cancel culture. But I we think have that, to stop doing that. Yes, yes, because what you just said educates people more so on the different dynamics is what, what we've been saying. Everything is not just a black and white, okay, this is, you know, they, they have a black CEO, so we're going to support this. But this one, you know, a former person 20 years ago did this. Okay. Now let, let now yeah, we're going to dig deeper in this. Yeah. It, exactly. So when I say that, we need to be, one, looking systemically at how do we break down these barriers? Mm-hmm. How do we open more doors? What do we What do we help people fix? If there's companies out here talking, pledging that they're going to do better, show me you're going to do better and melanate your ranks. I'm going to be very clear with you. I do not care about the demise of Aunt Jemima or Uncle Ben or any other black face on a product. What I do care about is the the melanin that's in the ranks that produce those products or any other product that you're making. Don't don't just throw those brands away because, one, they're probably on the downside anyway because half the people – what, 8% of millennials knew what Aunt Jemima was. So at the end of the day, we need more employment in our community in order for us to address the other things too. The third thing I would say is COVID. And actually that's number one for me, even before police brutality. But COVID-19, we're still dying at alarming rates. We're still getting this virus in in the most egregious way, and we're getting the worst health care for it. I need the Surgeon General to step up. I need BLM to apply pressure to make sure that we have testing in our communities and that there are protocols that follow and not just sending black folks home when they are tested positive because if we have other issues, we need to be able to get the same care that anyone else is getting. That's it. And and the last thing I will say is, we have to vote in November like our lives depend on it because, quite frankly, they do. Without they do. question, if there's not a change at a local level, state level, or even a federal level for us, if there is no change, we will continue to die from this virus. We will continue to struggle with unemployment. We will continue to struggle with racial, race, racial injustice. We will continue to see those things happen when we actually have a key that can help unlock some of these doors. And whether you believe in the system and whether you hate the electoral college, I don't care what you do. We can think about, just think, even if you want to think about your local life, you can choose who's the mayor, who's the, you know, who's the sitting judge, who's the district attorney. We need to have say in what happens in those offices so that we can make change in those offices. And I believe that you're correct. That's where it starts. We we have to, yes. not only as we stated last week, register to vote, we have to get out and vote, and we have to be educated and, yes. and understand. And we can't tell you who to vote for, but we could certainly give you some in-depth information and background on the person that you're considering. And that's the thing that we really have to um, pay more attention to because remember in November, I I just, I I am not at all confident that people will remember in November. Based on all of the things that's going on, I I think where we are now and the warnings that we're getting right now, that this virus Mm -hmm. is going to get worse before it gets better because we are not doing the things that we should be doing. Um, We are going to feel the brunt of that. We are going, we are going to feel that. And I agree with you. Will people remember all of the struggle and all the pain? I hope so. But if even if they don't think about your own future and your family's future, what's going to happen next? Yeah. Because it's, it's, Affecting us already. So if this continues, because which it looks as if it will, it, it's going to be worse because we we still have to consider education. We still mm-hmm. have to consider, I'm going to say that again, education, because a lot of That's our correct. students, some of them may have graduated and, and with honors and all of that. That's great. So I'm not talking about the mm-hmm. students or people who are offended. 
some of our students did not adjust well to this at-home learning situation. That's correct. So some of them have been allowed to graduate. Some of them will be taking summer school in the same situation as far as online learning and at-home learning. So I guess this is a second chance to repeat something. I'm not sure. But then, of course, there's the question of, well, will they go to school in the fall or what's going to happen in the fall? And we continue to tell people you have to be educated. So there's an education mm-hmm. thing that's going to happen that we have to understand that, you know, if your child was not at grade level before COVID, mm-hmm. where do you think mm-hmm. they're going to be after COVID, especially if they were pushed to the next grade? Exactly. And they're taught what they're supposed to be taught in the next grade. So we we have to look at leadership. We have to look at what's happening in America and how, like you said, it's going to affect us. And it's not just me and my four people in my house. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm worried about. Okay. Mm -hmm. You can say that, but we're all in this thing together. So we have to find Uh, ways. I would say we we like to say we are. We all like to say we are, but clearly some people are not. <laughs> you know what? If you don't think you're on the boat, somebody has already pushed you over. Wow. That's all I'm exactly. saying. Exactly. Because yep. we're all on this boat together trying to figure out where it's headed, essentially. Where where are we going to be dropped off? Because right now the education is is horrible. Right now the health care is horrible. Right now, the job market is horrible. The three things that affect us the most. Mm-hmm. And something so, has to know, give. And I think the, the, the one yeah. thing that can, can happen and that should happen is, one, break down some of these barriers and have, make people, just as um, the young lady who started the, the beauty uh, movement, pull up or shut up, where she wanted to know of all these beauty care products that are targeted to African Americans and of all beauty products, what does your diversity look like? That was mm-hmm. very eye opening. If you've not seen it, it was very eye opening. And then out of that, you saw some actual, I would say, um, pledges. Now I want to see some action on those pledges to making 15% of the actual products on your shelves are going to be black owned products things of that magnitude. Yeah. So again, now is the time for us to push forward on those types of things and for us to, you know, get behind police reform, get behind, you know, demilitarizing the police. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Get behind, you know, getting racial injustices right, uh, getting those things right, those wrongs made right. But the reality is the everyday life that we have is being impacted by unemployment low education, no education, in our ability to fight this virus. We need access to health care. Yeah. And and I like so. what you said, and we're going to end, but I like what you said mm-hmm. in terms of focus. We, we have to focus, yeah. and we cannot be distracted with crumbs because crumbs have mm-hmm. never tasted like the whole cake, not ever mm-hmm. in life. So as we can, and I understand, you know, the, the, the ceremonial things, and yes, we've painted the street. Okay, but can you drive on them? Do, do you have access to yeah. a job? Do you, you, you mm-hmm. know, uh, are, is the police going to stop you on the same street? Mm-hmm. So, so all yep. of these distractions as if we want, those are crumbs to me. And people can say whatever they mm-hmm. want to say. I get it. I understand the sentiment, the feeling, and the emotion. But that's not going to put anybody yeah. in college. It's not going to put anybody Correct. in a job. It's not going to stop the police mm-hmm. from beating you or attempting to kill you. So stop being distracted with the crumbs. I want the whole cake. Give me the whole cake. Mm-hmm. I don't want the crumbs. So stop trying to, to give us stuff we're not even asking for. We're, we're celebrating stuff we haven't <laughs> even asked for. I didn't yeah. ask you to change didn't your ask eyes, Mama. Although, I, hey, I sure work it out, not. do what you need to do. But I didn't ask you to do that. I didn't ask you to wear kente cloth. I, I didn't ask you to do mm-hmm. that. Because, quite frankly, I don't care. Mm-hmm. 
So when you change Aunt Jemima, you go ahead and change whoever's the head of that department and then add some people there you of go. color, African-American, to your there board. You there That's you go. That's what I'm asking Exactly. For. I, I don't want the crumbs. Exactly. It never tastes like the whole cake. That's all I'm saying. There you go. There it is. So <laughs> we are going to continue with Beyond Words next week. Um, yes. As always, thank you so much, Chanessa. Darrell had to, again, step away. We want to thank him as well. Yes. And um, what are you working on next? I, I see your post, and you you are always just spot on, and you give so much insight. Is there something that, you know, in terms of Black Lives Matter, one last thing that That's you want to cool. share with us before we go? Yes, we are – we are working on a um, get out the vote initiative targeting people who have never voted before and people who are first time voters, as well as any and everybody in between. And we're going to be launching that on July 1st. Um, and we're okay. hoping to have a bunch of other entities to help us do that. I'm in the middle of a sensitive negotiation right now because I'm trying to get someone who I think will definitely move people in, in the right way. But, yes, that is our goal now, to make sure that we're changing the face of government so that it works harder for us um, and everyone. But we need some representation, and the best way for us to do that is to get people in office. Okay. I love it. I love it. And one final thing is I I am interested in creating a a PAC political action committee. If you mm-hmm. can provide me with some information, and we can talk about that on the next show, certainly. But I'm yes, certainly we can definitely talk that. about that. Yeah, let's definitely okay, do that. Okay, I'm excited. I love it. <laughs> yes, okay, we well, should thank do that. You so much. We should. I'm ready when you are. I'm ready when you are. All right. Okay, we got okay. this. Well, we will certainly we we have it. So we will certainly talk to you next week on Beyond Words. Yep. Black Lives Matter in-depth with Janessa White and Darrell Douglas. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. As always, we've had a very insightful conversation with Janessa and Darrell, and they always bring it every week. They provide us with so much information, and we're so excited about the show and the insight that has been given and everything that happens on the show, we laugh, we're frustrated, we're happy. We we go through a range of emotions on the show, and we want you guys to continue to tune in, uh, send us any questions and comments via Twitter as well as, you know, Facebook. Uh, all of us, we have our own accounts on Facebook as well as Twitter. Make sure that you call in. The number is 917-889-2858 if you have any questions or any comments on the discussion. So again, thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to Beyond Words with Janessa White and Darrell Douglas, right here on your 15 Minutes Radio Network. Interested in advertising? Advertise today on the number one online radio network for entrepreneurs, your 15 Minutes Radio Network. Contact us at advertise at your15minutesradio.com. Thanks again for tuning in to your 15 Minutes Radio, and we will see you on the other side of the microphone. Have a good night.